What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the November 16th edition of OTN's Level Up Live, your home for the hottest takes in gaming news. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I'm joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king, do not disrespect that name or that title, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, I am doing all right, not great. I feel like I'm coming down with some kind of cold, so I have this like itchy, sore throat thing going on. Like half my office at work has had sore throats recently, so I think I am finally the next victim on the platter. Uh, with that being said, we're here. I don't know if my voice will last the whole time. Uh, if it starts cracking like a high school boy in puberty, that's very possible. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But for now, uh, we we have a voice. We have two voices, uh, and I'm looking forward to diving into some Game Award show stuff with you tonight on the episode. Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter slash X, whatever the heck we're calling it, and Facebook at OTN Media. We are on threads and Instagram at OTN underscore media. And while you're on X, Twitter, Instagram, threads, all of the above, follow Joey and myself at Courtside King and at Fiasco. If you're watching here live on Twitch, first off, thank you for tuning in for the best experience of Level Up Live. That is, of course, the live show here on Twitch. But you can see those handles right below the mugshots you're currently looking at. On your stream, TV, mobile device, wherever you may be watching. But have no fear if you cannot join us on Thursday nights. We do offer the show in podcast form roughly 24 hours later. Level Up Podcast is available on your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up and we are there for you. Extra credit. It is holiday season. You have trial Amazon Prime accounts. You have your own Prime account that maybe you're paying for. Maybe your sister, your brother, your niece, your nephew, your cousin, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your step sister twice removed three times uncles sisters brothers cousins dogs neighbors sisters owners brother has a has a prime account use your twitch prime sub to otn media make joey a jolly jolly man this holiday season by using your twitch prime sub oh boy never doing that again uh all right joey there goes my Um, voice right yeah Uh. Uh, what in the world are we hitting on today? <laughs> yeah, guys, so I didn't really have time to do notes. John and I were quite busy this afternoon. So we are pretty much going into the award show's time of the year. Uh, we have the Game Awards in a couple weeks. Thanksgiving's next week, so we won't be doing a show. So this week we're talking about the Golden Joystick Awards winners of 2023. So they had a couple awards that got pulled in October. We're going to break those down for you guys. And then Jeff Keeley came on live this week. And talked all about the Game Awards nominees as well. So breaking down what those awards look like as far as those nominations. Where some people are not so happy about the nominations. Where there's some questionable nominations. And where people are pretty stoked about them as well. All right, Joey. We have our topics. It is is award season. It is holiday season. It is the most joyous time of the year, some say. I, you know. I'm not a big Thanksgiving fan. I'll just throw that out there. I think it's a worthless holiday. That's just me. Uh, And I don't like turkey, so hate on me all you want. Uh, Joey, we have our topics. We need to touch on our drink of choice. Uh, Currently, I'll start it off, Joey, because I'll be the lame one here. Currently, I am dealing with uh, some some medical things, so I'm currently just drinking a large glass of water. It's been uh, pretty much a water diet for the past uh, two weeks. 
as I struggle and limp my way through my current uh, issue. Uh, <laughs> being old, being a boomer is, is pretty much what it's called. Uh, Joey, what are you sipping on today for Level Up? Uh, John, I am also going water, but I also combined it. I have a little bit of tea action. I don't remember what kind of tea. I think it was chamomile tea uh, with oh. some raw honey in here as well. So some trying raw? to coat that throat. To get the Some most wrong. out of, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, my throat is going to be bad by the end of this. But Joe, it's I, all for the love of our listeners. I have a cough oh, drop here that. for you. Look at that. Yeah. I have some, too. The only problem yeah, is I they make weird noises on the show. They really um, do. They really do. Um, so, Joey, uh, just, we're going to compare uh, uh, cough drops here real quick. Oh, I have the Hall's Menthol Strawberry. Uh, because I am precious is essentially what I'm trying to say. Strawberry and menthol definitely go well together. I'm trying to uh, look what? across the room. I think I What's have that? the same thing, but cherry. But cherry? Okay, okay. Ch- ch- cherry, cherry's respectable. Strawberry's a little more weird and out there, but you know what? It it's, doesn't taste like a cough, cough drop, so... Um, I would much mm-hmm. rather have ice cream right now, to be honest. I would totally my throat with have some ice, ice cream. cream. For Aye. real, too. Oh, God. Joey, we're just we're just falling apart. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. What's what's chat saying? I'm gonna need some uh, white liquor. Trying to feel something. Oh, okay, cool. Good, good for you, pot of liquor. <laughs> uh, you know, tell you what, pot. You can you can drink for Joey and I uh, for this episode since neither one of us are going to be doing it because um, yeah, we're, we're 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 achieving boomer status and it's not it's not very fun. Uh, but you know what is fun, Joey. What is fun is today's sponsor, because, of course, today's episode of Level Up Live is presented by Gamer Bytes. The Bite Size Gaming News letter delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today, otnmedia.org slash GB signups. Check it out in chat as well. And, Joey, we have the golden joysticks to talk about first. Absolutely, John. Pull out those joysticks, why don't you? Uh, I know you do have a golden controller. I don't <laughs> <Sir>. think <laughs> the joysticks are golden. <laughs> Um, Sir, well, we do not have a mature uh, 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 tag on this stream right now. We cannot pull. That <laughs> oh, I purely like, meant the controller is... there, right oh, next to yeah, you. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know you have that nice brushed gold controller over there. I don't think the joysticks are black, correct? They're not gold. Uh yeah, they're they're gold. Sh- it's a uh, it's shadow gold. So it's like gold that fades to black, and the yeah the 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 sticks are are black. Okay, so we got some black sticks here, but some golden joystick awards to talk about. Uh, let's dive right into these, John. So for those who don't follow video game awards, the golden joystick awards are not. I wouldn't say one of the biggest ones. There's a couple that are pretty big. Uh, if you look publicly, the game awards by Jeff Keighley is probably the biggest one known by the public. On the inside side of the game industry, there's a few that are a little bit bigger among critics. Uh, the BAFTA, which is the... I should have looked these up before the show. It's like the British Arts something awards. I will look this up right now. Um, but they have the BAFTA Game Awards. Those are pretty big as well among critics. And the other one that's really big among critics is the Dice Awards. So BAFTA Game Awards stands for the... Why can I not find this anywhere? British Academy... Something, something, Game Awards. Got that? Okay, perfect. Uh, So they do a bunch of stuff. They do TV, they do movies, but they also do games. That's one of the ones most well-known amongst people in the industry. With that being said, the Golden Joystick Awards are still in awards, and this is that award time of year. They are one of the bigger, I would say, mid-tier ones out there, so we will be touching on it. Diving straight in, this is the 41st annual Golden Joystick Awards. It took place in London this past week, with a record amount of votes being tallied across 20-plus categories. Standing atop the heap was Larian Studios' Baldur's Gate 3. John, I feel like we've been talking about this for at least the last couple months. 
Baldur's Gate has done phenomenally well, uh, selling very well. It's out currently on PlayStation 5 and PC, coming soon to Xbox. It looks like sometime mid-December probably. Uh, on top of that, uh, they're continuing to add great patches in. Uh, I would say the community support for that game has been very strong. Whatever the community asks for, it seems like the developer and Larian is continuing to build into the game with some of those future plans as well as some good mod support for the community as well. Uh, it pulled in a record-breaking number of awards here at the Golden Joystick Awards in their 41st year, pulling in seven awards, one of those being Larian's Studio of the Year Award. And then there was a bit of a drop-off after that. The next biggest award grabbers were two awards apiece, one of those going to Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty pulling in two awards, and the second with two was Final Fantasy 16. So what did Baldur's Gate 3 win, and will it do the same at the Game Awards? At the Golden Joystick Awards, it pulled in the Best Storytelling Award, Best Visual Design, Best Game Community, Best Supporting Performer, and that was Neil Newbon of Asterion. Uh, we have PC Game of the Year, Ultimate Game of the Year, which is kind of their big, big Game of the Year award at the Golden Joysticks, and again, Larian Studio of the Year award. So some really big ones coming in there. Uh, the other one that's really noteworthy here is the Critic Award. So the critics have a choice award that they all get to completely vote on. That winner was Alan Wake 2. Uh, and keep in mind, the game awards that Jeff Keighley does is very critic-heavy. So maybe this could be a little hint that we could see Alan Wake 2 possibly take that big award at the end as well. Anything else you want to dive into with the Golden Joystick Awards, John? I know most of our plans for tonight are around Jeff Keighley's show, um, but there were quite a few winners in here, and again, 20-plus categories. Any you want to dive further into? Um, No, <laughs> because I, honestly, I, I do feel like the Game Awards are going to take up a big chunk of the show, um, but I do feel like uh, the Golden Joystick Awards is going to be a good um, teaser as to as, as what you were saying is what we can expect for the Game Awards. Um, obviously, they have a jury of over 120 people on the Game Awards panel. Um, I would argue some people on there shouldn't be on there, but that's just me. Uh, but we'll dive into that when we get there. Uh, but no, I, I do like uh, the Golden Joystick Awards, and I do think uh, Baldur's Gate doing incredibly well there is a sign of what's to come possibly next month. Yeah, I mean, it's big. Pulling in seven awards, pulling in a record-breaking number for a show that's been around 40-plus years is a pretty big deal. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, and again, it's pulling in some big awards, right? Best Storytelling, that's a huge award. Obviously, Ultimate Game of the Year is about as big as you can get in this particular show. PC Game of the Year, also very big. Uh, supporting Performer, that one sounds like it was a little bit more of a competition from the sound of things, but Neil Newbon eventually pulling that one out as well, uh, playing Asterian again. So, yeah, lots of big awards coming through for Baldur's Gate and some nice little nods for Alan Wake and Final Fantasy as well in this one. Uh, with that being said, I know a lot of people, at least from the viewership casual gamer perspective, those casual gamers who pay attention to awards, it's typically on the side of Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards, and he has plenty of nominees uh, for us to discuss, including some that are a little bit questionable to many. So we will be diving into those as well. Kicking things off, John, uh, we've decided we're not going to go too heavy into the esports or content creator awards. Uh, just a couple things to note. I feel like, uh, um, hmm, I don't know the best way to putting this. This is game critics voting on these things. They're not necessarily esport critics. So some of the stuff in these esport categories is a little out there. Uh, typically, we have similar winners winning over and over again as well. The content creator of the year always feels a little bit off too. So we're not going to spend too much time on those. I think the one thing of note uh, is that one of the esport coaches did have to come out and call the Game Awards out. 
He's on the panel for best esports coach, and he did not coach a single game this year. Uh, so he said, I don't think I should be eligible for this award. Uh, I believe he was the CSGO coach in there. So that just kind of shows a little bit of the legitimacy in some of these esport and content creator roles within this particular show. With that being said, John, I think we can jump right into the games. Um, we're going to work our way up to game of the year. So kicking things off with the most anticipated game. The nominees are Final Fantasy number seven Rebirth, Square Enix, Hades <laughs> I two. You counting the Roman numerals? <laughs> My head is just not quite working right now. Hades two Super Giant Games. I love the graph art on that. Uh, like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth from Rio Gagoto Studio and Sega. Star Wars Outlaws from Massive Entertainment and Ubisoft. And last but not least, Tekken eight in that final nominee spot from Bandai Namco and Arika. Uh, John, what are your initial thoughts on this? The most anticipated game is recognizing an announced game that has demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. I mean, for me, the one that gets me automatically is Star Wars. Um, I feel like the Star Wars video game genre right now is in a good place, mainly because of the Jedi Survivor series um, from Fallen Order and and, and Survivor um, they're in a really good spot. So I think this is a really good time to push sci-fi space opera type games forward a little bit more. Um, so I do think Star Wars Outlaws is a great uh, vote here. Um, I don't really see Tekken 8 pushing the fighting genre forward. Uh, I think that's one of my biggest complaints with fighting games. And it's not a knock on the fighting games themselves or anything like it. It's just they're so one-dimensional di- when it comes to what you get. You're, you're going to get the same style of game. You're going to get maybe different mechanics. But it's, it's two fighters on the side of the screen going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Until someone gets knocked out. Um, sometimes they try to, like, rope a story in there. But ultimately, it, it still comes down to that. Um, Final Fantasy, hot, unpopular take here. I'm so tired of it. Um, I know it's super popular, but you don't want like a seventh remake, John? No, no, stop with the damn remakes. Like, look, so it, it, it's funny. Like, I remember as a kid going to see movies with my parents and like, oh, this looks so great. And they're like, yeah, it's a remake of an older movie. I'm like, no, it's not. And then come to find out it is. And I watched the original and the original is so much better than the one they remade as, you know, when I was a kid. I'm just like, why did they remake it? Why do they feel the need to remake it? That's you know Final Fantasy. Um, then on top of it too, like even new Final Fantasy games, cool, it's great. Like I just I don't know. Like to me, it feels like every three months there's another Final Fantasy announcement coming out, and it's just I mean that's gaming news. Final Fantasy or a game is being delayed. Uh, that that's that's the only two breaking news ever for for video games currently, and it's 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 annoying. Um, I don't think Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is pushing the genre forward. Uh, or or the gaming medium for it, if you will. Um, like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, I can't take that game seriously at all. Um, it looks way too goofy. Um, and, and Hades 2 looks, looks great. I think it's fantastic too, but I, I just feel like right now is a prime opportunity for Star Wars games to really make a significant impact because Star Wars had such a terrible, terrible, terrible reputation in the video game industry for just putting out just a bunch of like five out of ten games for for decades 
Yeah, I mean, I'm very similar on the same pace here. I feel similarly about Tekken. I feel similarly about Final Fantasy. Do I think they'll be good games? Sure. Do I think they'll yeah. be great games? They could be. Do I think they're the most anticipated game for next year? Absolutely not. Uh, I honestly think there's a lot of games on here are not included on here that are probably even more anticipated than some of these as well. Uh, with that being said, I'm between Hades 2 and Star Wars Outlaws, and I think we can easily give the OTN vote here to Star Wars Outlaws on this live ballot on Twitch. Uh, Star Wars Outlaws, like John said, Star Wars has had some good games recently and had a lot of mediocre games prior to, um, but recently you have had some good stuff with the Star Wars Jedi series from Respawn. Star Wars Jedi Survivor most recently this year, uh, up for some nominations itself, which we will get to a little bit later in the show. Uh, but with that being said, I think one thing a lot of people were super disappointed of years back was when EA canceled Star Wars 1313. It's yes. supposed to be a game that followed a bounty hunter. And while this is not quite exactly that, it does give a little bit of that style and it moves away from kind of the laissez-faire, let's play as a Sith Lord or let's play as a Jedi. And we kind of get something that doesn't carry a lightsaber. And I think that's a really big plus in that sense. It's going to let us explore the Star Wars world from something else, from a different lens. Uh, we've gotten that a lot recently on the TV side as well, right? With like Andor. Andor is arguably one of the better Star Wars shows they've put out. The Mandalorian is up there as well. And a lot of these shows are ones that are not following Jedi directly. So I think the fact that we're moving in a different direction, exploring kind of the undercity of some of the Star Wars world from a non-Jedi, non-Sith perspective, I think is going to be a big win here. So yeah, Star Wars Outlaws is my vote as well. Okay, over to our next category, which is actually our previous category because of the way we did this. Uh, I just fell for that. Uh, so let's pull this up. Next category, John, go ahead and read us our nominees. Best adaptation recognizing outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium. Now, Joey, when I read this definition, that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium immediately there were titles on here i crossed off uh first off castlevania uh nocturne uh nominated project 51 and netflix grand Turismo, playstation uh the last of us playstation productions and hbo the super mario bros movie uh nintendo and twisted metal playstation and peacock are the nominees uh joey i will let you give your opinion first before i start just xing some of these things out <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, again, is kind of a two-horse race for me, which I think I exited. Nope, here it is. Ha-ha, we found it. Uh, Castlevania Nocturne, I'll be honest, I have not watched it. I have heard decent things about it, not the greatest of things. Uh, and I have also not watched Twisted Metal, so I don't feel quite like I can make a full vote for this category as of yet. I do need to check out these other two shows first. Uh, with that being said, I have seen Gran Turismo. I have absolutely watched The Last of Us, and I quite enjoyed the Super Mario Bros. movie as well. Um, Gran Turismo, John, we got a, we were blessed with an early screening opportunity, thanks to our friends at the Game Gym for that one. Uh, we did go to that. It still needed some work in certain areas, especially kind of the sound design <laughs> yes. area, uh, in particular with the way the mix was working. Uh, with that being said, I thought it was a good movie. I think I would rate it somewhere around a 7, 7.5 out of 10 probably. I think you were right in that same range. Uh, just us kind of assuming the sound design did eventually come together. Uh, not like my voice tonight. Um, the other two, however, I think The Last of Us is probably one of the best shows on TV over the last couple of years. And the Super Mario Bros. movie, 
the number of references in there for older fans, I think, was phenomenally well done. Uh, I saw that one twice in theaters, and oh. every well, both times, I guess it's not every time, uh, but both times I went in there, I found a bunch of new references every single time, and I think they did a very good job loading it up to make it kid friendly, and it has that great humor to it. But on top of that, it also has those nice little throwbacks to fans of Mario and that universe for many years past. Because uh, they went all the way back to like 2D stuff for some of the throwbacks. So I thought it was really good. There's one scene in particular where they blow on an N64 cartridge kind of off to the side that I think was phenomenally well done. Love that <laughs> reference that as well. Good. But with all that being said, while Mario did make a lot more money overall, I think this one goes to The Last of Us for my personal vote. Uh, I think PlayStation and HBO nailed it with that one. The casting was phenomenal. I'm a little nervous for season two, given some of the stuff I've heard that they've changed from the game. I'm not going to spoil anything on here, um, but I am curious to see how that does play out. But season one, phenomenal stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, so Twisted Metal, I'm taking you off the list. Um, did not find that to be anywhere close to being a faithful or authentic ad- adaptation of a video game to another, inter- uh, to another uh, entertainment medium. Gran Turismo, same thing for you. Uh, my issue with Gran Turismo it has nothing to do with about the video game. That movie has to do with a contest for people who played the Gran Turismo video game decades ago, uh, where one person won and actually became a real life car uh, a race driver. Um, it has nothing to do with the video game. Are the graphics cool? Yeah. Is 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 the story behind uh, the guy that became a professional driver and raced in the twenty four hour? Uh, race at uh, Le Mans, uh, really, really cool. Yeah, it's a great story. Has nothing to do with the video game though. It, it, it centers around this this random contest they threw together because they're like, hey, you know, there's a lot of people that play this game and they're really good and they know these courses. Let's see if they can become a real driver. Had nothing to do with the game. Period in the story. It, 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 it's it's not a faithful and authentic adaptation of the game. No racing game can be. Like, are you going to take uh, Formula 123 and make a movie out of that? No, you're going to make it out of the real Formula 1. Like, we have, like, Netflix, Drive to Survive. Um, Castlevania Nocturne, um, from what I have seen with it, I, I, I think Netflix took a little liberties here and there with it. Um, I'm not going to automatically throw it out, but it's kind of teetering there on the end. I think The Last of Us and the Super Mario Bros. are the only two that you could see the faithful try to keep it authentic to the video game. Yes, The Last of Us did take some liberties, uh, and if you took, if you stayed after the episodes to watch uh, like the uh, behind-the-scenes for the episode, the director even goes in-depth in saying, hey, look, you know, I understand in the video game this is how it happens, but that doesn't translate on-screen. There's no way to portray that on-screen without taking 15 minutes to explain what's going on. So things like that make sense. Um, taking side characters in the game that maybe got five minutes of your attention and making a little bit more of a background story with them, that's fine because you're you're expanding on lore that wasn't told, but it was just kind of teased, but not straight up changing things. Like you take a look at the Warcraft movie. They changed a whole bunch of stuff in the Warcraft movie. You take a look at some of the other stuff for video game movies that came out there, and they changed everything. Um, but Last of Us stayed faithfully to the game and they did take some liabilities here and there but they weren't in bad taste that turned anybody off super mario bros joey i i think the thing that hit it for me is it is is one going into it you knew exactly what you're going to get bowser stole peach kidnapped peach okay cool great 
Um, what I was not expecting was a great solo by Jack Black as Bowser uh, singing about Peaches. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, Donkey Kong showing up, I thought it was great. All the references in there, I thought it was great also. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like there's no – you can't really screw Mario up because there really is no story. Mm. Uh, it's it's Bowser stealing or kidnapping someone and then Mario being, you know, hooray, you know, wahoo. Uh, so – uh, I, I think it's just going to be The Last of Us, in, in all honesty. And I honestly think, and it's no offense to the other nominees, um, but throw the money aside. There's no other movie, there's no other adaptation that's been nominated that comes anywhere close to what The Last of Us did, hands down, period, end of story. And if The if Last of Us doesn't win, then mm-hmm. I will say the same thing I said to Jeff last year. I'll say it this year. You need a new jury because they have no clue what they're talking about. I don't know if I'd quite go that far. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think The Last of Us will win. Yes, I do. I mean, not to mention things tend to lean a little bit more toward that Sony side as well in this show. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I do think Mario especially deserves to be up there. I don't think oh, Gran yeah. Turismo is bad in any way either. I think that could be up there too. And the other two I have not seen. Um, but I, I mean, Mario is one of the best selling movies of all time. So I do think it gets its credit where credit is due. Um, with that being said, I do think The Last of Us should run away with this one personally. Uh, next up, I really don't like this category. Uh, we have the best multiplayer. The reason I don't like this category is the description. For outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massive multiplayer experiences, irrespective of game genre or platform. To me, co-op and massive multiplayer are very, very, very different things. Very different. Um, I think those could even be two categories in and of themselves. When I think multiplayer, I think Call of Duty, Halo, Battlefield, Fortnite, whatever it may be. Uh, When I think co-op, I think of a shared story experience versus me going out there and competing head-on with someone. So I don't quite like that definition. Uh, With that being said, this definition does encompass all these games. And your nominees are Baldur's Gate 3 from Larian Studios. Diablo 4, Blizzard Entertainment, Party Animals, Recreate Games, Street Fighter 6, Capcom, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Nintendo. Uh, overall, I think these all match the definition of a co-op or massive multiplayer game to some degree. Um, I'm per, I, I really don't know which way I'm going on this. I think the easy vote is Baldur's Gate. Uh, the ability to kind of create your own story in that game to some degree. Like, yes, there is narrative, um, but you can very much go about that narrative in creative ways with your co-op buddies. Diablo 4, also a pretty vivid co-op system over there uh, with a lot of depth to it as well, the way you build out your characters and your composition of your team. And then Super Mario Bros. Wonder, uh, this could be another category it wins. The four-screen co-op on the same screen is done really well overall for this 2D side-scroller, and I think it could potentially win this one as well. I really don't know, nor do I care a ton who wins this category. Uh, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is probably the one to be leaned in, but they could use this as an opportunity to give Diablo or Super Mario Bros. Wonder an award as well. I, th- I think it's going to go to Super Mario. Yeah. Um, I-, I think this is the one that Baldur's Gate will lose. Um, and-, and it's unfortunate because, I mean, all these games, like you said, they, they fit it. I really would love Diablo 4 to get uh, an award here, but... Uh, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 is just an absolute juggernaut this year, and you can never bet against Mario. And, and Mario's pulled off upsets before over, over mega, mega, mega titles. Um, so it would not surprise me if Mario won uh, at all. Um, but I think it's a two-pony two race between Mario and Baldur's Gate. 
I do think I tend to agree. I think Diablo will be in that conversation, but yeah, it is going to be tough to beat the other two for sure. Uh, with that being said, our next category on the whoa, docket, whoa, 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 John. We haven't picked who the OTN vote here. Oh, do we? Oh, I thought we agreed on Mario. Let's go Mario. Oh, Mario? Okay. Mario, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario gets the OTN vote here on the Game Awards website, which, by the way, it keeps wiping, wiping my votes, so I don't know if these are counting or not or if there's like an everyday vote system or what is going on, but I was messing around with it last night, and they are no longer there at all, so who knows? With that being said, best sports racing game is next up. John, describe the category and who are our nominees. The best sports slash racing game uh, for the best traditional and non-traditional sport and racing game. Very descriptive. Uh, EA Sports FC 24 from EA, F123 from Codemasters, Forza Motorsport from Turn 10 Studios, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged Milestone, and The Crew Motor Fest by Ubisoft Ivory Tower. Man, oh, man. Uh, I'll, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> this category sucks. Um, this category is me tough. It's because the, the the problem is is that you have the best selling sports franchise in in history in EA Sports FC twenty four. The first year dropping its FIFA title, um, going up against the popularity of F one, um, but. The F1 sales are nowhere close to EAFC 24. Then when you take a look at your racing games, you know, Hot Wheels and and Motorfest, do they even combine to have the same fan base that Forza Motorsport has? Uh, and Forza keeps pressing the limits graphically and and uh, in-game physics with these cars. Uh, it, it's It's super, super impressive. So... To me, really, and it's no disrespect to Hot Wheels or the Crew Motorfest, but I think it's between Forza F1 and FC24. And then based upon your criteria of worldwide impact or worldwide popularity or best selling, um, it kind of feels like EA Sports FC24 runs away with this. Man, I don't know what to pick in this category. Um, I'm between three. I will eliminate F123 on your list. I do not think it will be able to be up there. It hasn't sold very well. It's had some mixed reviews. Hot Wheels, however, I would put on mine in replace of it. I think Hot Wheels Unleashed has a chance of winning this category. It's been pretty popular overall. Does it have the backing of an EA Sports FC or a Forza Motorsport? It doesn't with fans, but keep in mind, Jeff weights his shows very heavily in favor of critics. That is something a little bit more fresh than these other two categories. So that could end up being the winner as a result of that. With that being said, Forza also really pushes everything forward in accessibility. So if critics are feeling toward those accessibility settings, Forza pushes that forward quite well. Uh, And then EA, right? Yes, it's a very similar formula to what they're using in FIFA. But to come out, switch their branding, and still sell as well as that game did. uh, And it still plays well. I mean, FIFA has never been terrible, There are definitely things people have asked for that have not delivered on, but the game itself is quite good overall. I think Hot Wheels could be a dark horse in this category. I really do. Um, With that being said, I do not think Forza wins. I think it's going to be between EA Sports and Hot Wheels, if I had to guess. I'm leaning Hot Wheels, but it'll probably be EA Sports FC. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be EA Sports FC. Um, Ah. I just, 
I just want to point out how the mighty have fallen on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like Madden used to be one of the best sports games ever, period, in the story. Um, and then EA gave it the EA car wash, and it's been absolute dog water for the past 15 years. Um, you know, EA Sports FC 24 is only popular because soccer slash football is the most popular sport in the world. And they have all the licensing. And they actually gave the game a facelift a little bit this year, which is a little bit of a shock. Um, I I, I, to me, it's tough. Like, Hot Wheels is cool, but like, I I don't know. If it's going solely based upon critics, then yeah, Hot Wheels is probably going to win. But if you're taking a look at, at at the larger picture, a game that has that has a, a community that has said it has not changed in years. It's been very minimal changes here and there, but yet it still brings in you know enough to fund EA EA Sports Studios for a, a whole another year or two uh, because of its ultimate team and and, and in game currency and microtransactions, all the fun stuff. I don't know. Like it just this one's tough. It is tough, but it sounds like we both think EA Sports will be heavily up in the running. So I think that one is probably going to take the OTN vote on this one. Um, We're like 50 50 on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not 100%. I, I think you and I are both 50, though, and our other yeah. 50s on a different game apiece. Yeah. So I do think this one ends up pulling the OTN vote at the very least. Not a strong backing from OTN on that one, though, however. No. Next up is the best sim strategy game, the best game focused on real-time or turn-based simulation or strategy gameplay, irrespective of platform. Ladies and gentlemen, your nominees are Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. Yes, that game did eventually release from Way Forward and Nintendo. City Skylines 2, Colossal Order, and Paradox Interactive. Company of Heroes 3, Relic Entertainment, and Sega. Fire Emblem Engage, Intelligent Systems, and Nintendo. Last but not least, Pikmin 4, Nintendo, EPD, and Nintendo. Um, John, I think I'm going to make this one a little bit quicker for us. You're more than welcome to throw in your thoughts as well. Um, But I will say one of these games rated more than 10 points higher than every single other one by critics, and that was Pikmin 4. Pikmin 4 rated in the high 80s, low 90s, depending what site you go to. All of the other ones were low 70s or high 70s, low 80s. So I would be very, very, very stunned if Pikmin 4 does not absolutely run away with this one. Oh, no, it should be Pikmin 4 hands down. Um, but, but just to point some, some issues I have, again, with, with games that get nominated for this. Yes, irrespective of, of platform, but City Skylines 2 was supposed to come out on multiple platforms. It, I, you cannot call a game uh, the best in its category if it can only come out on PC because that's the only version that's not broken and then every other version of the game is going to be delayed because it is broken it's not working on the consoles I, to me it just seems counterproductive to say best sim strategy game and then put Skylines in there now don't get me wrong I play Skylines I enjoy Skylines it's a lot of fun um, but it just to me it seems a little counterintuitive if you will i'm not I, I, to me it can't be the best if the game doesn't work like if you're gonna say it was a pc only game fine great do that but don't come out here and say oh we're gonna release it on pc and everything else is gonna be delayed a couple months because uh yeah broke can't play 
Well, and I think this raises an interesting question, right? So City Skylines 2, like you said, the console version got delayed. I think it's like spring 2024 now. Mm-hmm. Does that make City Skylines 2 eligible again next year for best human strategy? It's... Sh- <laughs> Right? I mean, uh, I don't know the answer. Like, I guess know. Age of Empires 4 is technically in a similar situation. I think it won an award or was up for an award last year, and then it released on console this year and did not get put back on here. That could have been a voting thing, or that could have been a you're not eligible because you were in the show last year. I still don't really know. I don't know yeah. how that works. I, I'll be honest. I don't think City Skylines 2 is, is, regardless of the delays, really good enough to be on this category. I think overall, this category, I think, is going to be much, much stronger next year. Yes. I think there's a lot of really, like, Aura Histories Untold, I think, is going to be very high on this list. Huge. Uh, In fact, I think it'll probably win this category next year. But the Sims next year, I think, are going to be much, much stronger overall. No. So we'll go Pikmin. Pikmin it is, with a very big vote. 100% vote here from OTN on that one. Next up, John, we have the best family game. What does this entail, and who are our nominees? Best family game for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. We have Disney Illusion Island from Dyla? Dalala? Uh, Dalala. Dalala Studios and Disney. Party Animals from Recreate Games, Pikmin 4 and Nintendo. Sonic Superstars from our good friends at Sega Sonic Team and Arrest. And Super Mario Bros. Wonder Nintendo. Um, all right, Joey. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this one is going to be an easier one, in my opinion. I want to give it to Disney Illusion Isle. I love the graphic style of that game. I love the creativity that that game brought to the table. I really hope Disney Illusion Island wins. But I think the clear winner here is probably going to be Super Mario Bros. Wonder. It's freaking Mario. I mean, Mario did extremely well as a game every single time it released. It's done very well as a show or movie every time it's released, uh, except for that one old one that John loves to reference from time to time. Uh, other, than that, other than that live action adaptation, uh, Mario always seems to dominate or come very close to dominating categories it's in. Uh, while Mickey is very popular, I don't think Mickey quite has the appeal that Super Mario does in the gaming world. So I do think Super Mario Bros. Wonder will walk away with this, but my personal vote will be going to Disney Illusion Island. I would love to see Sonic get some love again. Uh, I, I'm excited for anything Sonic that comes out, um, but I do think it would be between Disney and Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and I, but I do think Wonder is going to take it. I, too, would like to see Disney Illusion Island take it um, because when you think family-friendly, I mean... Who's more fa- family friendly than Mickey Mouse? I mean, come on now. I mean, well, I don't want to start anything here because, you know, Disney and the news and everything. But, I mean, just Mickey Mouse, just Mickey Mouse isn't controversial, is it? Is Mouse controversial? I don't know. Uh, but I do think, I think Mario is going to take it. Yeah, I think we can probably give our vote to Mario here. I think I would be surprised if Mario does not win this category, to put it lightly. Uh, next up on our list, John, we have the best fighting game. As John already said, this is one of his favorite categories every single time totally. it comes up. The best fighting game, as you guys guessed, is for the best game designed primarily around head-to-head combat. So no head-to-tail, any of that, just purely head-to-head. We have God of Rock from Modus Studios Brazil and Modus Games. Mortal Kombat 1, Netherrealm Studios and Warner Brother Games. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, 
Ludosity, Fairplay Labs, Game Mill Entertainment, Pocket Bravery, Statera Studio, and P-Cube. And last but not least, and who I think will be the winner of this category, Street Fighter VI, Capcom. Uh, I said it there. I think Street Fighter wins this one. I want to say Mortal Kombat has outsold it. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to look back at the sales chart. Uh, But Mortal Kombat, obviously a franchise that's been around for a very long time, incredibly popular, going back to their roots, and I think they did some really fresh things, brought some new takes uh, into this particular game that they just recently released. That being said, uh, if I'm looking at critics being the heavyweight on a lot of these awards, I think Street Fighter VI brought a lot to the table. Really clean mechanics, really nice graphics, a really good play style with a nice tournament scene behind it. I think Street Fighter VI would be my vote here for best fighting. Yeah, unfortunately. I I really want to give it to Mortal Kombat. Um, I personally think it's just overall a better franchise and a better title. Um but I, I do think what they did with Street Fighter Six this year uh, was probably enough to ed- to give them the edge. So uh, we'll do Street Fighter Six, edging it away. Oh, you're gonna have fun with this next category, John. Next up on the radar, listeners, is the best RPG. John, what is an RPG, and what are our nominees uh, for the best game design with rich player character customization and progression including massively multiplayer experiences we have Baldur's gate 3 larian studios we have final fantasy 16 square oh did you just have to add roman numerals up in your head damn right i did there we go (laughs) i knew you were waiting to do that to me too Uh, i was was hoping Uh. lies of p from round eight studio sea of stars by sabotage studio and starfield never heard of it Bethesda Game Studios from and Bethesda Works. Joey, take it away. I think this is probably one of the most stacked categories this year. Uh, We've had phenomenal RPGs. I can even think of more not on this list that could be on this list. Um, One that a lot of people argue is Hogwarts. Do I think it's better than any of these? No. Do I think it's still a great in most video games year? Yes. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is another RPG type of game. You're picking your skills and everything, so you are playing a role to some degree in that. Um, I feel like that could be another one that could be up here, but again, you have some very strong games on the nominee list. Who do I think wins this? I think it's going to be Baldur's Gate 3. I really think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to win a handsome chunk of awards at this show. Uh, With that being said, Final Fantasy brought a lot of fresh things to that series. Uh, Even though it is just another numbered Final Fantasy game, they did try to take a little bit more of a darker atmosphere to it, change some considerable things up. Uh, Liza P, the idea of a Dark Souls-esque Pinocchio game is hella fun, in my opinion. Creepy as hell, but very fun. Uh, Geppetto, Jiminy Cricket, and obviously Pinocchio here doing their thing in this Dark Souls world. Sea of Stars, I really hope wins an award at this show. Unfortunately, it is up against some massive contenders in this category. Uh, and last but not least, Starfield. Yes, Starfield did not hit in certain ways. Uh, John and I spent 15 minutes trying to fly to our first planet before (laughs) realizing that we probably shouldn't be doing this as a flight thing and instead going through some menus. Uh, There are definitely things I would change. Uh, Side quest-wise, I think Starfield may have the best side quests on this list, though. I think those are phenomenally well done. Some of the interactions uh, with just different characters in that living world I think are phenomenal. critics were split on Starfield though so unfortunately I don't think it has a chance in this category I think Baldur's Gate 3 wins it my personal thought I would love to see Starfield um, but I do think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to run away with this one the fact that this is the only category Starfield is nominated in goes to show you how heavily critics play uh, in this 
panel of 120 jurors, uh, pardon me, for, for nominating uh, in the Game Awards. Uh, yes, there's, there's issues with Starfield. Um, no one's going to deny that. It, it's a Bethesda game. Unfortunately, Bethesda is known for the Bethesda bugs. Um, it's it's going to happen. Um, I, I do think the people that are calling it, um, you know, uh, uh, a, um, a space Skyrim, I, I think people are kind of uh, are just like missing the point um, with this with with the game. Yes, it, it has, you know, a lot of the similar graphics. I mean, it's made on the same engine. Like, there's a lot of things that are similar. But at the end of the day, I think the story is intriguing. It's somewhat realistic. I mean, not to spoil anything, but the quest line where you go back to Earth and you go through the NASA headquarters is incredibly fascinating. Now, that may just be because I'm a space and aviation nerd, um, but I found that to be one of the most engaging and intriguing quests I've ever played in any video game uh, in my lifetime. Uh, it was super well put together. NASA even helped out with it, uh, which I think is is super cool to help it make it a little bit more ultra realistic. Um, just the ability to do pretty much whatever you really want to do in Starfield over a thousand planets. Like, go. There's so much to explore, so much to do. You literally create everything yourself how you want to do it. Um, I just feel like... I don't know. Maybe dare I say it, it's it, it's a product of its own hype that maybe the, the, the game's hype was too much that a, a year and a half, two years worth of hype for this game, um, a an incredible sizzle, uh, uh, sizzle reel that came out really got everyone like really hot and, and bothered uh, in a good way about it. And then it comes out and it's not it's not perfect. And, and, and none of these games are perfect on launch anymore. Right. I feel like it, it. this is a casualty of its own hype, which is unfortunate. It is a really, really good game. Ignore the, the console war people out there. Starfield is an incredible game. It's going to get DLC to go along with it. They're only going to make the game even better. Um, I really... I do have an issue with it not being nominated in other categories, but I can understand why. Um, but... That is also my other issue is we're looking too much at critics who play games to find flaws versus people who play games because they want to enjoy a game. Um, Baldur's Gate 3, long story short, is going to take this one hands down. Yeah, and I agree on a lot of your Starfield takes as well. I mean, John, you're on playthrough, what, number six, seven? Yeah, you've gone pretty far into the new game plus there. (laughs) New game eight, yep. Yeah, he is. He's dove deep into the stars. It's good. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is a it good captures game. captures your mind. There are rough edges, like you were saying, um, but overall, I do think it does come through. However, for this category, with the critics having 90% of the vote, and even if they didn't, I do think Baldur's Gate 3 still ends up winning this yeah. one overall. Uh, regardless of how heartfelt we feel for Starfield and stuff like Sea of Stars, I do think Baldur's Gate runs away. Next up is the best action adventure game. This one for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. We have Alan Wake 2 from Remedy Entertainment and Epic Games Publishing. Marvel's Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac Games and Sony Entertainment. Resident Evil 4 from Capcom. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Respawn Entertainment and EA. 
And last but not least, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom from Nintendo. John, who are you voting for for best action adventure? This one's tough. This one is um, tough. This one's super tough. Um, I'm throwing Resident Evil 4 out because it's a remake. I don't believe remakes have a place in here, period, in the story. Um, I, this is going to be... See, see, when I look at this, I automatically go, it's going to be between Zelda and Spider-Man. Um, and I think Zelda's going to win. I would love to see Jedi Survivor win. Jedi Survivor was a fantastic game. Again, uh, the, 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 the Star Wars Jedi uh, series from Respawn, the uh, Last Jedi and Survivor have really carried Star Wars gaming to the next level and have really helped greenlight a lot of new projects that are going to be coming out in the next years ahead. Um, I think that has the biggest impact. It was a it was a very good game, very minimal bugs. A lot of, It was a very clean game. The mechanics were great. The story was great. Everything about it was great. Obviously, Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man is the best Marvel superhero. You can fight me on it. Spider-Man is great. Um, the game is fantastic. Um, you have two Spider-Mans. You have Venom in there. It, it's amazing. They bring back a whole bunch of old bosses. Story-wise, for nerds, it's great. Uh, Zelda, I, you don't need to say anything else. It's Zelda. It's it's incredible. It's it's flawless. It's Nintendo. Um, Alan Wake 2, it's been out for three and a half weeks. Um, it's a really super popular game. Um, but I do think it's between Zelda and Spider-Man, but I think Zelda takes it. Yeah, I actually think Zelda takes this one as well. Uh, it is a crazy year when I don't think Zelda takes many awards. And this yeah. is one of those words that I think it's going to have a lockdown on. Uh, Spider-Man will be up in the conversation. I think Star Wars Jedi Survivor will be up in the conversation as well. Unfortunately, keep in mind, fan votes are only 10%. Yeah. A lot of Spider-Man is going to be fan votes, and a lot of Jedi Survivor is going to be fan votes. Uh, in the end, Zelda can match them in fan votes and also have the critic vote behind them. Uh, Zelda rated quite a bit higher than these other two as well. So while, as John said, this is a very stacked category, uh, there are some very good nominees in here. But with that being said, I think this is going to be one that Zelda ends up taking home, uh, even with it being a sequel, and it's up against two sequels as well of the ones we're arguing with. Um, yeah, I just I can't see the other ones beating Zelda here in something that critics are voting on. Next up on our category list is the best action game. John, take us away with that description and those list of nominees. For the best game in the action genre, focus primarily on combat. Combat is the key word here. Armed Core 6, Fires of Rubicon from Bandai Namco. Dead Island 2 from Deep Silver. We have Ghost Runner 2 from One More Level 505 Games. Hi-Fi Rush from Tango Gameworks and Bethesda. And Remnant 2 from Gunfire Games Gearbox Publishing. Joey, why is it Hi-Fi Rush? Man, this is another really <laughs> tough category. Like, again, guys, this year was just incredible for games. Uh, I think Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon definitely has a shot here. It's a From Software game, obviously known for a ton of wins last year with Elden Ring. From Software always swinging Armor Core, a very popular franchise, making its return as well. Uh, with that being said, I think there's some other ones up here that will give it competition. One of those being Remnant 2. Uh, Remnant I have enjoyed as well. The combat is different. as It's kind of a looter shooter to some degree. You're going through. You're upgrading your abilities. You're upgrading your loot. And it definitely changes up combat in that sense. But my personal favorite, and I think has a very good shot at winning this, is Hi-Fi Rush. The way that they have done combat is something I've never seen in a game before. And I think that alone sets it apart. Armored Core, again, phenomenal. 
but we've seen mech combat before. We've seen a lot of what that game has offered. Does it do it very well? Absolutely. But does it bring enough original stuff to win this category? I just don't know if it does. Hi-Fi Rush, the fact that every one of your hits is timed to the beat of the music, which changes based on the level of enemies you're fighting, the level of your difficulty in-game. It's all time based on the beat. And depending on how you hit that button timed with the beat, you can have critical hits. You can have not-so-critical hits. Uh, <laughs> if you're tone-deaf, it's going to be a tough game, but they do have great accessibility settings as well. So I just I think Hi-Fi Rush did something very new for this category, and I think it did it extremely well as well. Yeah, and speaking of accessibility, if you are tone-deaf, everything in that level that you're playing in moves to the beat of the music also. So if you're, if you're the kind of person that listens to a song and you can't snap your fingers to time the beat, like you can't be your own human metronome. There's you have so many other visual clues around you to know when to press the button uh, for those uh, critical strikes. I think it's great. The story is fantastic. I love the fact that he has an iPod embedded in his chest. Um, I thought that was like a, a cool little touch. Um, I, I think it's very unique. I think it's different. I can only think of one other game that used music to beat uh, to the fight. Which was what was it? Hell, uh, Hellslinger? Something. It was. A, it was like a heavy oh, metal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Metal Hellslinger. Or yeah. Hell. And it wasn't like very that, good. Yeah. But but <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush took learned lessons from that and absolutely nailed it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the most unique combat style up here that we haven't really seen before. And based upon that definition, I'd go Hi-Fi Rush also. Sweet. Hi-Fi Rush gets the OTN vote here for the best action game. Uh, this next category, John, I don't even know if we want to vote on this. Neither one of us has the ability to test a VR game at the moment, uh, but nope. it is best VR AR. We will go over it briefly. For the best game experience playable in virtual or augmented reality, irrespective of platform, your nominees are Gran Turismo 7, Polyphony Digital, and Sony Interactive Entertainment. Horizon, Call of the Mountain, Guerrilla Games, Firespite, Sony Interactive Entertainment. Humanity, The LTD, uh, Enhanced Games. Resident Evil Village, VR Mode, Capcom. And last but not least, Synapse and Dreams. Uh, again, I have not had the ability to test any of these games. Uh, I think some stuff is done really well. I've seen snippets of Gran Turismo. Horizon uh, is also just a really cool series that I think has translated pretty well over to VR. Uh, just going off of my very limited experience from streams I've seen, Resident Evil is probably the most enjoyable one to watch in VR. Uh, a lot of that because of the jump scares, To be, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> so I don't feel like I have enough experience with any of these to give a true vote for the VR platform personally. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I say we skip right over it. Perfect. Let's hop over to the next one. Uh, John, the next category on the list, if you'd read it to us, is the best mobile game. What is our description? Who are those nominees? Uh, this category is null and void uh, <laughs> because it doesn't have the only two mobile games I play on it. Um, one of them won last year, it, though, didn't it? Snap did, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. But uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Keeley, Mr. Uh, the date uh, to be... Uh, nominated the the lockoff date is the seventeenth of November. Uh, Warcraft Rumble is clearly out before then for mass consumption, and your critics failed you once again. Uh, but what's another time and place? Uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, uh, Square Enix, Hello Kitty Island Adventure, Joey's favorite by Sunblink Entertainment. Hey. Uh, we have Honkai Star Rail by Hoyoverse. Uh, we have. Monster Hunter Now by Capcom and Ninetech, and Terra Nil by Free Lives and Netflix. 
John, I'm so proud of you. you. Pronounced a lot of those hard developer names very well. Very, very good. Nice little pat on the back for John there. Um, I do think this is going to be a pretty quick category. Honkai Star Rail, I think, is going to absolutely dominate this one. Uh, we saw it with Genshin Impact before. It absolutely mutilated when it was up for mobile game. Uh, I think it took some other categories as well. Honkai Star Rail is in that same vein. Cutesy little anime characters. You end up throwing in some good old microtransactions with the gotcha system. Bada bing, bada boom. They got a bunch of players. They got a bunch of money. And I think they're also going to gotcha award right here for best mobile game. Any other thoughts on the mobile game? I know yours are not up here, unfortunately. Nope. Should give Hello Kitty Island a download, though, John. It could be down your alley. I am so fed up with Hello Kitty from living in Korea for seven years. I'm just, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Next up is the best debut indie game. Uh, This is for the best debut game created by a new independent studio. We have Cocoon from Geometric Interactive and Annapurna Interactive. Dredge from Black Soul Games and Teen 17. Pizza Tower from Tour de Pizza. Venba from Visai Games. And Viewfinder from Sad Owl Studios and Thunderful Publishing. I think you have a really solid assortment here. Um, I know a lot of people are voting the Pizza Tower route, and I think that very well could win here. Dredge is another one I've heard tossed around. I enjoyed Vemba, too. I don't think it's the best debut Envy game. Uh, My personal vote here is for Cocoon. Uh, That's from the maker of someone who has won a lot of awards before, who started a new studio. Uh, Previously, they did Limbo and Inside. The levels of... I can see some people not liking Cocoon because it's hard as hell. I'm not going to lie. I had to look up YouTube videos on a few of the puzzles. Uh, it was a little complex for my little brain at certain points. Uh, with that being said, I think it's phenomenally well designed. The narrative of the story is told kind of through the environment, which I think is done really well in it. Uh, we've seen games like Elden Ring kind of do that before in recent years and do a very good job of the environmental storytelling. So I am leaning toward Cocoon for this one. It would not surprise me if Pizza Tower takes the win, though. T-Span says Pizza Tower. I- I've learned not to go against T-Spans. Uh, so <laughs> I do I'm think Pizza, Pizza Tower Pizza. probably wins this, if I had to guess. All right, Pizza Tower gets the phone. <laughs> but I do love me some Cocoon. Go play Cocoon if you haven't already. It is definitely worth checking out. John, next up is the best independent <laughs> game. Not a debut indie, but best independent game. Some repeats here. I will just go through them quickly. For outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system, again, we have Cocoon, Geometric Interactive, and Annapurna Interactive. Dave the Diver from Mint Rocket. We'll touch on that one here in a minute. Dredge from <laughs> Black Salt Games, Team 17. Sea of Stars from Sabotage Studio, Viewfinder, Sad Owl Studios, and Thunderful Publishing. Again, guys, lots of repeats. Uh, I think Cocoon could be up for this one as well, but I am personally thinking Sea of Stars is going to win this one. Uh, John, what is your thoughts? And then let's dive into some of the controversy with this particular category. Um, Joey, I'll be honest. I haven't actually got to play a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I will have to err on your side of your expertise here because I know you're a big indie kind of guy. Um, yeah. So I think Sea of I, Stars I you- will win this. Sea of Stars? Okay, cool. Sea of Stars will be our OTN vote. But, John, Dave the Diver, uh, we've done some research, as have many on Twitter. Uh, Dave the Diver is developed by our good old friends over in South Korea, uh, Nexon Games, who own Mint Rocket. Yes. Does Nexon strike you as an independent developer or publisher, John? Uh, Well, Joey, so, look, I I, I feel like if we're going to be this critical... um, of our our good friends at uh, Nexon, uh, we should at least 
say why we're so critical because I mean maybe they are an indie studio maybe people don't know who they are um you know things like Maple Story I mean that's totally an indie game right with over 180 million current uh, registered players uh, and having a lifetime revenue of three billion dollars uh Dungeon and Fighter which has over 850 million registered players and has a lifetime revenue of over Two, uh, $20 billion. Oh, John, they haven't uh, hit a billion ta- yet for players, so it's not a, it's an indie studio, yeah, right? It, it, not a billion totally, players I mean, yet? It's not quite there. The, the, the company is worth almost a billion dollars. Uh, totally an indie studio uh, outside of the traditional publishing system. Uh, this is totally done by Joe Schmo and his cousin and mother incorporated out of the garage uh, versus a very large South Korean publisher. Um, yeah, no, Dave the, dri- the, dri- the Diver should not be in here. Period. End of story. I don't, it, it, it's a subsidy of a larger corporation. Cool, that's great. They still have the funding. They still have the people that are not indie. Like, just because it looks like an indie game doesn't mean it's an indie game. There are plenty of AAA titles out there that use 64-bit models, 128-bit models in their games. It doesn't mean it's an indie game. Hell, even the own developer said it looks like an indie game, but it's not an indie game. Hello? The developer even said that. Like, why is this on the list? Like, 120 people on this jury, Jeff, and they can't even read a quote from the people that made the dang game and said it's not an indie game. And here it is for best independent game for being made outside the traditional publishing system. Come on, Jeff. Yeah, Dave the Diver is a joke. Do I think the game is good? I don't know. I haven't played it, but it should not belong in this category. Uh, one game that could belong in this category, and I'm glad it's not here, is Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Larian yes. Studio is a fair independent game developer. If Baldur's Gate 3 was in here, would it run away with this category? Absolutely. To three kingdoms over and back, uh, it would not even be a competition, but... I am glad that critics did not put it in here uh, just so we can have some of these more true independent games or rather um, smaller independent games make their way in here because Baldur's Gate is guaranteed to win plenty of awards uh, at this particular event. So I'm glad Sea of Stars and Cocoon get a chance here. Dave the Diver, uh, again, no offense to the developers. (laughs) Do I think it belongs here? Absolutely not. So I think the OTN vote, John, in the end, will go Sea of Stars. I think Cocoon will get some nice nods as well, but I do think Sea of Stars runs away in the end. I'm excited for this next one, Joey. Can I do this? Yes, absolutely. All right. Best community support. <laughs> this one is fantastic and the definition of irony and horrible timing. Recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. Joey, we have Baldur's Gate 3 from Larian Studios. We have Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Projekt Red. I'm going to skip over the one in the middle real quick. Final Fantasy 16 from Square Enix and No Man's Sky. Hello, games. Uh, And then we have probably the saddest nomination in video game history for best community support, Destiny 2, what's left of Bungie. Yeah, I mean, this one is a mess. Uh, For those who have not followed the show or gaming news, prior to being nominated for this award, Destiny and Bungie just recently released almost all of their community support team. 
So yep. those people doing their This Week at Bungie, oh. the people interacting with those on social media, the people listening to the community and bringing feedback to the developer to hopefully improve the game, and the people stopping stupid changes to the game from getting out to the players, uh, that team is no longer there. Uh, do oh. I think Destiny 2 will win this? God, I hope not, because that would be really sad, <laughs> uh, but also hilarious at the same point. Um, yeah, this is... This is rough, and I think this also comes to John's criticism of the critics. Like, if these were just recently voted on, who the hell of these 120 critics thought it was a good idea to put Destiny 2 in here? Maybe they thought it was a joke. Uh, Maybe they thought this was a good way to get back at Bungie and PlayStation. Maybe they just weren't thinking. I really have no idea. Do I think Destiny 2 wins? I don't. Do I think Destiny 2 deserves to win? Absolutely not with what Bungie has done to that team. I think this one will be a Baldur's Gate 3 or a No Man's Sky win. I think No Man's Sky has just done phenomenal. I mean, they have released so many crazy updates since that game released that it's almost a completely different game than it was just a year or two ago. And I think they've done a very good job continuing to do some ongoing support and community listening for that game. Um, But just in recent times, Baldur's Gate 3, we've heard them listen to fans. They wanted an Xbox version. It's coming out this year. People had asked for it to come out this year. Uh, They wanted a physical version. Baldur's Gate 3 just announced this week that they're going to be doing a physical version as well. So I think they've done a good job listening on top of all the game updates and patches they've made on player feedback too. Um, Personally, my vote here is No Man's Sky, but I do think Baldur's Gate 3 is a great selection as well. Joey, I'm going to throw a dark horse in here, and this one might even shock you a little bit. Oh, Cyberpunk? How vocal vocal I've been against this game. Uh, Cyberpunk. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to say that is because um, for me, transparency is huge, right? Uh, the one thing we want from gamers is, is we don't expect perfection. Uh, some of us do, and those people go touch grass. Um, we understand that we're in the age of live service games. These games are going to be released 80% complete. In the case of Cyberpunk, it had a terrible launch, a horrible launch, a game-breaking launch. So bad that Sony stopped selling this game for a certain period of time on, on the PlayStation. So what does CD Projekt Red do? They own it. I, I've never seen a studio own it as much as CD Projekt Red has. Uh, we made fun of them because their very first patch literally fixed the entire game, was like 8,000 bullet points long, 48 pages long in general, and was like a 46-gig patch. That's not a patch. That is a DLC. Uh, as simple as that. Um, Joey runs away as I'm trying to explain this, which is the best part. Um, but Cyberpunk 2077, I think CD Projekt Red did a fantastic job at being transparent with the gamers, telling them the fixes were coming, what they're going to fix, the updates. The game has been fixed, so it's super playable on on all the consoles, on PC. Granted, you have a PC powerful enough to play it. Um, the game has been fixed, and CG, CD Projekt Red has been there every step along the way explaining uh, what they're doing, how they're going about fixing it, and even giving timelines to do it. I feel like a lot of these developers, when they're going to fix their games, won't even give you a timeline. They'll just say, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. And generally, it'll get fixed with the next uh, expansion or with the next DLC or with the next major content patch that comes out to the game, which is months and months and months later. Very rarely do we see a developer like C- like, like a CD Projekt Red or really any developer uh, that's not like a live service like Blizzard and World of Warcraft. Um, go through and and cons- consistently work on a massive patch to fix the game. 
Um, that alone, for me, gives a big, big heads-up play for Cyberpunk 2077. The fact they went through all that, the community responded well uh, to them coming back with all those patches, with their communication with it, with their transparency of it. And the fan base started to grow, and it's still growing. And now I, you know, I even have friends that were down on Cyberpunk that now absolutely love the game after the fixes. And they're like, yeah, they had a bad launch. That's all it was. No Man's Sky had a bad launch and didn't really fix anything for two years. And now it's up here in awards for best community support game because they've done the exact same thing. Project, uh, CD Projekt Red did it in less time than No Man's Sky did. Super transparent, super upfront. And they wore the egg on their face incredibly well, and they they took the criticism, and they were able to bounce back. I mean, for me, I think Cyberpunk is a true dark horse, and honestly wouldn't be upset if they won. Yeah, no, I think Cyberpunk could be up for this category. Now, I think the difference with No Man's Sky versus Cyberpunk is No Man's Sky has done so much more overall. Um, But as you said, if you look at the time that Cyberpunk has done, I think the amount of content they've pumped out in that short amount of time compared to No Man's Sky uh, is at that much higher end. I mean, just look at the patch notes like you were saying earlier. Uh, They are just so intensively long, some of those early ones especially. Um, When we look at this, this is for one year. So I think that maybe is the disadvantage here for No Man's Sky. They've done a phenomenal job as kind of an ongoing game. They've supported that community, probably some of the best of any community support we've seen in gaming in general, but it has been over the course of years of time. Cyberpunk is still a couple years, but very much this year. Uh, We've seen them do some pretty big patch notes. We've seen them put out a great expansion in Phantom Liberty. Uh, They are up against, again, a behemoth here in Baldur's Gate 3, uh, who has not been out long enough to have a ton of community support. So I do tend to think Cyberpunk and maybe New Man's Sky have a bit of a chance here. Um, But the other one we haven't really touched on is Final Fantasy XIV as well. Uh, I know we've kind of given our spiel on Final Fantasy, but the Final Fantasy MMO has been huge. Uh, I mean, this has been a game that has been growing over time. Uh, At some points, it's taken players from WoW. It's taken players from Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, It's been able to pull in from various MMOs out there. When we saw people leave from New World, uh, it pulled in some players from that as well. Uh, They have gave housing. I feel like before half of the MMOs out there have given housing. So I do think Final Fantasy has done a good job listening, at least from the MMO perspective, to the players out there as well. So do I think there's a bad winner here? Probably only one, and I think it's the one that probably shouldn't have got a nomination at all. Uh, with that being said, I don't know what the heck our OCN <laughs> vote for this one is. Uh, I will lean with you. We can do Cyberpunk 2077 on this one. I mean, it's going to be Baldur's Gate, but yeah, so we'll do something. It, it might not, though, because Baldur's <laughs> Gate has only been out for such a short amount of time. This could be a category it doesn't end up taking the win. We'll see. Next up is going to be the best ongoing category. This one awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. First up, Apex Legends, Respawn Entertainment, EA. Cyberpunk 2077, for similar reasons as John just mentioned from CG Project Red. Final Fantasy XIV, Square Enix. Fortnite, Epic Games, Genshin Impact, HoYoVerse. Um, I think your argument for Cyberpunk was great. I think Final Fantasy, we had some solid points on that last category as well. But I think it is very tough to go up against the behemoth of Fortnite here. Uh, Fortnite just has always pulled in massive amounts of players, massive amounts of revenue on top of that. Uh, has come up with some really interactive concerts. We've had like Marshmallow go in there and do a concert. Now we're going to have the Game Awards itself hosted in Fortnite as well. 
But on top of all of that, they brought back Tilted Towers. They gave us kind of the OG maps. Walking through the first 10 seasons of Fortnite, every two weeks they would add another two seasons in. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of that now, in the middle of November, with about two weeks left to go. Uh, it's just, it is tough to beat Fortnite as an ongoing game. I think certain ones like League of Legends and Valorant have done a good job with regular updates, but even then they don't give the fresh amount of content that Fortnite does. Even though I am not the biggest Battle Royale player, it is tough to vote against Fortnite in this one. Yeah, uh, Fortnite represents everything I hate in video games, um, and they're going to win this, and they should. It's absolutely insane the amount of content they pump out. Um, so, yeah, we'll give it to Fortnite. Uh, Apex, EA, you, you dropped the ball. You, you, you dropped the ball, and you're still paying for it. It's as simple as that. Next up, John, is Games for Impact. What is a Game for Impact, and who are our nominees? Games for Impact for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Um, and, Joey, I will be up front here. I have dropped the ball this year. I have not played any of these games. My goal is to play these games before the Game Awards Ooh. so I can get a better understanding. Uh, a Space for the Unbound uh, by Mojikin Studios. We have Chance of Sonar by Rundisk and Focus Entertainment. Goodbye Volcano High by Co-op. And we have, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chia? Takaya, I believe. Takaya. Chia. We'll do Chia. Uh, Takaya, uh, Kepler Interactive, Terra Nil by Free Lives and Devolver Digital and Netflix, and Yenba by Visai Games. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Um, I have not had a chance to play like half of these as well, which is unfortunate, but like John, hoping to get some more of these in before the actual awards themselves. With that being said, I think my vote for now would go to A Space for the Unbound. Uh, I think it's just a yeah. really well-done story. Uh, a lot of really good stuff in that game in particular. Uh, T-Spans, I know you're in chat tonight. Goodbye Vol- Volcano High reminds me of one of your type of shows with the art style. Uh, that one might be worth checking out for you as well. Uh, Venma also has a kind of a cool story. Uh, it's about like growing up and respect for parents as you're growing up and different things around that, uh, as well as respect for culture. Kind of a cool little one to check out as well. Um, but yeah, I think my vote would be a space for the Unbound, but yes, yeah, still some of these to play as well for me. Anything else on Games for Impact, sir? Nope. <clears throat> okay, next up, Innovation in Accessibility. John, read us the description and give us those nominees. Recognizing software and or hardware that is is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. Uh, So there's all games, no hardware uh, this time around. Diablo 4 by Blizzard, Forza Motorsport by Turn 10 Studios, Hi-Fi Rush by Tango Gameworks, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Insomniac Games, Mortal Kombat 1 by NetherRealm Studios and WB Games, and Street Fighter 6, Capcom. I think this is probably one of the hardest categories uh, throughout the years. Um, Again, really great year of 2023 and a really great year for accessibility as well. Uh, In particular, three stick out to me the most. Forza Motorsport has always pushed the bar. Playground games, it seems like I think they won it last year. There's a good chance they win it again this year. Always pushing that bar forward with adding more and more accessibility settings. Marvel Spider-Man 2, I think, is another one that did a really good job with accessibility. 
when we looked at the two that kind of push it forward, my voice is very close to going, people. Uh, we had PlayStation and Xbox. Both have really kind of gone hand-in-hand hand pushing accessibility forward, whether it's different abilities for menus to be read, for descriptions to be read as well to the players, uh, if they might be with tough vision situations. Uh, on the hard of hearing, they've done a lot with tactical. Uh, I think Marvel Spider-Man 2 has a nice little advantage with the DualShock controller. While it can't exactly give you Braille right then and there, uh, it can help you know what's going on based on the shakes and everything if you are uh, maybe hard of hearing in certain situations or have encountered some type of blindness as well. Um, the other one here is Hi-Fi Rush. I think Hi-Fi Rush, again, bringing such a unique style to the table, something that we really haven't seen done very much before in the industry and doing it with the amount of accessible options they had, uh, I think is really what pushed the envelope forward for that one for me personally. I could easily see any of those three winning it. I would not be surprised to see Diablo, Mortal Kombat, or Street Fighter VI out there. Um, they all brought some great category or great uh, innovations in accessibility as well. Um, but these three in particular stand out on top for me. And I personally lean the way of Hi-Fi Rush, not only because I love the game, but I think to bring the amount of accessibility they did in a completely different style of game that they did design here is why it gets the vote for me. Uh, any other thoughts on that one, John? Which one did you go with? I'm sorry. Uh, innovation and accessibility. Sense. I am leaning Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush. I think Hi-Fi Rush also. Um, on top of what you said, too, just, again, everything moving to the beat, not just the music, not just the, the characters, but the entire environment really helps out as well. Uh, you know, sometimes for, for people with certain learning disabilities, music is a great way of helping people focus and learn and, uh, you know, having volunteered at even like senior homes, uh, watching what music can do to the elderly and their brain and being able to recall memories based upon songs. Kind of like a lot of, a lot of people do in general. Like when I hear a certain song, it's like, Oh, I remember this concert or, Oh, I remember this event, whether it was good or bad, but music tends to be able to do that for accessibility in a video game as well. Um, it can help do that. It can help, uh, take the game to another level. So I agree. <clears throat> Hi-Fi Rush also. Gosh, both of our voices here are doing so great <clears throat> on this show. Uh, we just have a couple more left. We'll start speeding up a little bit as we get toward the bottom here. Uh, best performance awarded to an individual for voiceover, acting, motion, and or performance capture. Unfortunately, neither John or I made this list, but we do have Ben Starr of Final Fantasy uh, 16. I almost said 16 confidently, and then I was like, wait, we just did 14 twice. Got to check. I, I messed up and said 16 on 14. So Hey, funny. there we go. Roman numerals. Who even uses them anymore? Come on, Final, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy, apparently. I know. Cameron Monaghan from Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Idris Elba, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty. Uh, Milani LeBird from Alan Wake 2. Neil Newbon from Baldur's Gate 3. And Yuri Lowenthal from Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Um, overall, I think everyone here is incredibly talented. Uh, we did see a similar award listing um, for people that were nominated at the Golden Joystick Awards, which we touched on at the top of the show. Uh, in that particular listing, Neil Newbon of Baldur's Gate 3 did come out on top. I think it's very, 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 very possible that he comes out on top here as well. Um, but I am a big fan of Cameron Monaghan's performance in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, he would probably get my personal vote, um, but I do think this category probably goes the way of Neil Newbon, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Cameron Monaghan did a fantastic job. I love the fact the character is even modeled after him. The amount of motion capture he did as well um, really does take the performance um, up 
uh, to another notch. I feel like a lot of these people on here are just voice actors. He did voice acting and motion capture, uh, so he did both. Uh, I think that, I think that's something that should be really commended. I really hope he does win, but I do think uh, Neil Newborn gets it just because it's Baldur's Gate and there's so much hype around that game still. Um, and then first off, Yuri played the voice of Peter Parker. That does not scream Peter Parker to me when I saw his picture. I was like, wait a minute, this dude's like in his 50s. Uh, anywho, um, but yeah, I, I do think Neil will take it. Uh, but I, I do do hope Cameron Monaghan gets it. He's, it's, it's well-deserved for him. Okay, so are we going to give the OTN vote to the one we want or the one we think will win it? I, I would love to give it to the one we want. <laughs> Let's go with the one we want. We're going to go All Cameron right. Monaghan here. Cameron! There we go. We like that. Cameron pulling in the OTN vote. Heading over to best audio design. Recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design. Up first, Alan Wake 2, Remedy Entertainment and Epic Games Publishing. Dead Space from Motive Studio and EA. Hi-Fi Rush from Tango Gameworks and Bethesda Softworks. Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Insomniac Games, and Sony Interactive Entertainment, and Resident Evil 4 from Capcom. John, who is taking best audio design in this category? Uh, preface, I think Starfield should have been in this category, um, but I would say Hi-Fi Rush. I think it's going to be Hi-Fi Rush as well. Uh, we do have three horror games here, and I think the horror games... Uh, there's a lot you can do with sound design in horror games. Obviously, you want to set up for jump scares. You want to kind of make the environment creepy. Um, but again, Hi-Fi Rush, I think, just did so many new things. Like, as John was saying, completely entailing the whole environment with movement based on the sound. The fact that your combat is all infused with the sound. The fact that there is a phenomenal soundtrack and literally everything in the game is operating around that soundtrack along with these other things happening sound design-wise. The balance between voices and that ongoing audio was phenomenally well done as well. I just think I, I could see this one going to a horror game, but I think Hi-Fi Rush is going to end up taking it, or at least in my humble opinion, I hope it ends up taking it in this one. Okay, John. I mean, the next sound up, is literally the combat. I mean, <laughs> I know, right? It's just uh, I think it would be tough not to give it to Hi Fi Rush. Uh, next up is best score in music. John, what does that mean, and who are our nominees for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack? Alan Wake Two. I'm just going to read the titles: Baldur Gates Three, uh, Final Fantasy Sixteen, Hi Fi Rush, <laughs> and Legends of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom are your nominees. Uh, yeah, this is a tough one, right? Like, I think Hi-Fi Rush can be in the conversation again. It just won the last one for us. Uh, with that being said, I do think with score and music, while Hi-Fi Rush was phenomenal, uh, and it'll probably get my personal vote, I could see this one going to any of these. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of lean Alan Wake on this one. Baldur's Gate would not surprise me if it won either, though. Um, I would be pretty happy with any of these five winning. I'm going to say Zelda, uh, okay. and the reason why is if there's one thing Nintendo has always done a great job at. It's putting together, whether it's an original score for Zelda games or even Mario games, um, they've created some iconic sounds and music that have gone into their games. I mean, you take a look at some of the older Zeldas. Uh, as soon as like the first two notes hit, you know exactly it's a Zelda song. Mm. Um I'm going to say Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, the, the soundtrack was very impressive. I mean, again, all five well deserve to be nominated, but I think Zelda gets the nod here just because just Nintendo did it again uh, with, with their original score uh, for Zelda. Yeah, I'm happy with Zelda. We can do Zelda here. 
Um, again, I think all of these are very well qualified. One of the most balanced categories at the Game Awards this year. Next up, we have Best Art Direction for Outstanding Creative and or Technical Achievement in Artistic Design and Animation. Again, as John did, we don't really need to read the developers for everyone because we've heard <laughs> all of these titles before at this point. Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, art direction is always a tough category, John. I'm curious which way you're leaning. So I'm looking for something that hasn't that, that that's unique, something that stands out and makes a, a significant impact. I think what Alan Wake has done for a horror game, I think it's great. It's super realistic. Uh, a lot of games nowadays are realistic. So to me, uh, yes, it's got a great art design. It's it's nothing special though. Um, Hi-Fi Rush has more of that comic book feel in, in an era of anime games. A Western comic book feel game doing incredibly well. Um, I I would put that up there also. Uh, Lies of P, a uh, cyberpunk, not cyberpunk, uh, steampunk uh, take on Pinocchio. Um, I think is absolutely fantastic. Has some uh, uh, like Victorian era style clothing, kind of like it's, to me. I think it looks really really cool. Uh, definitely outside the box. Mario looks like every Mario game we've ever seen before. Uh, but the art style in Zelda, very unique this go-around also. I think it's a very, very unique art style and direction. Um, for me, I think it would be between Hi-Fi Rush, Liza P, and Zelda. Zelda probably getting it, um, but I think Hi-Fi Rush would be the dark horse. Yeah, I'm voting for Hi-Fi Rush on this one. I think of all of the different, um, I guess, graphical slash art styles we saw a lot of Zelda before. It's a very similar style to what we saw in Breath of the Wild. Uh, Alan Wake 2 <clears throat> is phenomenal. I think cinematography-wise, they did a phenomenal job with that game. Um, but Hi-Fi Rush, again, it kind of brings a little bit more of that unique flair. And I think it did a good job bringing kind of that fun color scheme together with that comic book look as well. Oh, boys, it's going. It, my voice is going. Um, so I could go, again, pretty happy at this point, any of these nominees I think my personal vote would be Hi-Fi Rush. Um, I would not be surprised to see Alan Wake or Zelda in particular winning this one. I think the one for me that should not win is Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Correct. I mean, has Mario really changed that much art-wise? Like, yes, he no. becomes an elephant in this game. Do I think that wins an award? No, I'm not going to shake my trunk at that one. Boo. Best narrative, outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. We have Alan Wake 2. Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, that's the DLC, Fible, Fible, Final Fantasy 16, and Marvel Spider-Man 2. Um, I think all of these games tell a very, very interesting story. I think they all do a great job. Um, obviously, I'm super biased towards Spider-Man. The fact that this is one of the the first games that we have two Spider-Mans in it, they tell a very unique story. Um, based upon the lore of Spider-Man, you get to see some of the old bosses come back the story was was very uh thrilling uh i you know i don't think it's going to hold up against Baldur's gate 3 um the story for Baldur's gate 3 is you know having people talk about it all over the world um cyberpunk 2077 2077 phantom liberty i haven't played it looks great though um from what i've read a lot of people are enjoying it uh alan wake 2 being a horror game i probably won't play it um but also tells a really great story but i think this one goes Baldur's gate three okay so here's an interesting thought from this perspective and i'm curious to get your thoughts on it john so 
of pure story overall, I think Alan Wake 2 is the best pure single storyline in this particular list. Now, with that being said, Baldur's Gate 3 has something like 50,000 endings, which I think from a narrative perspective is crazy insane. But some of those endings are going to be good. Some of those are not going to be so good. So do we rate them based on best narrative because there's so many possibilities and some are phenomenal? Or do we give Alan Wake 2, who has one very strong narrative with a lot of mysterious storytelling behind it, the win here? Isn't that interesting? Like, I just, they're just so different. They really are. I mean, that goes to Baldur's Gate's replayability. Mm -hmm. Having so many different endings, every choice you make impacts how the ending is going to be, versus Alan Wake obviously has that one strong ending. Um, doesn't do much for replayability, but this is best narrative, not best replayability. Um, I don't know, Joey. I think I think I would say having a strong, solid ending is going to be a bigger impact than having multiple, 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 multiple endings. Because um, it's tough. Endings, like, like the only thing it will do is create dialogue between people who play. Like, oh, I got this thing. Oh, what'd you get? Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Where Alan Wake 2 be like, dude, what'd you think about that ending? It's like, oh my god, it was insane. And then like yeah, everyone's on I mean, I, I would go Alan Wake 2 on this. Okay, yes. let's go Alan Wake 2 then. Yeah. Um, I do think it'll be between Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate in the end. It just really f- depends how people feel about that particular question, I think, um, when those critics end up voting. Oh look, the exact same nominees, <clears throat> it feels like. It does. Best game <laughs> direction awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3. Marvel Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So game direction again, guys. Creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. I think for me, it comes down to those same two, Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate 3, and for the same exact reasons. Um, because it has the word creative, and Baldur's Gate 3 has 50,000 whatever endings, I think I would go Baldur's Gate 3 between those two on this one. Um, but again, Alan Wake 2 is just so artistic as well. So I think, I really think it's a two-horse race between these two, but I will lean Baldur's Gate 3 on this one. Baldur's Gate 3 it is. And then, Joey, we come to our final category of the evening. Dun, dun, dun. Game of the year with a speck of controversy. Uh, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And now again to be nominated. The game has to be out for public consumption by November 17th. All of these games have met that requirement. And that is the only requirement. Um, so, Joey, um, who wins? Or do we want to hit about the controversy first? Uh, let's go controversy first. What do you got, John? Controversy first. Game of the year. Joey, question for you. Um, Alan Wake 2 is a unique game that was written and and created over the past couple of years, uh, developed into an outstanding masterpiece that is Alan Wake 2. Baldur's Gate 3, an indie company, spent a lot of time uh, making Baldur's Gate 3 a great story, multiple different endings, absolutely fantastic and original. Spider-Man 2, uh, I mean, sequel to Spider-Man 1, it's, you know, its own unique story. It goes forward, it's got two Spider-Mans in it, it's really fun. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, again, there's lore to, uh, to uh, Super Mario Bros., but it's not really a part of the game because it's just Bowser kidnapping someone. And then 
Legend and then uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, a unique original story built from the ground up by the good people at Nintendo. But then you have Resident Evil 4 by, 4 by Capcom. And Joey, Resident Evil 4, just to make sure I get the date correct here, I believe came out originally in 2005, January 11th, 2005. This is a full-blown remake of the original game. It is the almost identical story with modern-day graphics and modern-day combat. Um, the only thing they've had to do is build the graphics and just plug-and-play everything else, it feels like. In comparison to everything else up here, which is original, which has been written in the past couple of years and built into a game, the question we have thrown out there into the world is should remakes of a game be considered for game of the year, especially when you're going up against one, two, three, four, five original masterpieces coming out in the year of 2023. And I mean, I think the other thing to hit on here, right? There is a difference between a remaster and a remake. A remaster is purely changing the graphics, maybe enhancing engines slightly, a remake does change something else beyond that. So you're changing graphics, you're changing engine, you're changing maybe a part of the story. But to John's point, the majority of the story, the majority of what plays out in that particular game is the same. Regardless if it's a remaster or a remake, a remake is going to change some things, but the majority of things will stay the same. I think that is my biggest argument against remakes and remasters being in Game of the Year. Should they have a category and a place at the Game Awards? Yes. I think some remasters are phenomenal. Some remakes are incredible. Both deserve a spot somewhere at the Game Awards. Is that spot in the Game of the Year category? I just don't think so. I mean, like John said, you're coming up against five games that are unique. Alan Wake 2 is a sequel. Baldur's Gate 3 is a sequel. Marvel Spider-Man, most of these games are sequels. But they build a lot upon what their predecessor did. While Resident Evil 4 did have a predecessor, both in number and in same number, uh, it doesn't really build enough on top of that to make it set apart from the rest of these. So I just I think we both eliminate that one pretty quickly off of this list. And I think there's other games that could have been in here, right? Uh, Hi-Fi Rush could have been up here. Starfield, while critics didn't quite agree on that game, it was a little too polarizing, I think, for many critics. It probably wouldn't make this list, but I think it would make a lot of people's list. Um, you have some other really good remakes out there that probably could have been up there with Resident Evil, but again, they're remakes, so they probably shouldn't be in here. Uh, Diablo 4 is another one. Star Wars Jedi Survivor could potentially be on this list. Hogwarts Legacy is one people have argued for as well. Uh, do I think that belongs in here? Probably not. There's some other conversation that can be had with that because um, I did think it fell off a little bit once you left the castle itself. Um, with that being said, I think Resident Evil is off of our list. I think Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom are all phenomenal games in an absolutely packed year of 2023. Um, but I do think this will come down to two games. Uh, both of these games pretty highly rated by critics. And one in particular has pushed the boundary of kind of narrative design and the way things are woven together um, story-wise through the perspective of multiple characters. That being Alan Wake 2. And the other one, Baldur's Gate 3, has given us 50,000 endings 
tons of ways of going about playing that game with com really constant support for the community since it launched earlier uh, in August or September, depending on what platform you're on. I, I do think Baldur's Gate 3 ends up winning the game of the year here. Uh, it is worth noting, though, that Alan Wake 2 won the Critic Choice Award uh, at the Golden Joystick Award. So, Again, the critics are going to be different to some degree. It did beat out Baldur's Gate over there, uh, but Baldur's Gate did end up taking Ultimate Game of the Year over there, which I think it ends up taking over here as well. Now, now, Joey, here's here's my question to you before we wrap this up here. Mm -hmm. Does recency bias play any role in these nominations? Now, what I mean by that is Alan Wake 2 came out three and a half weeks ago. Obviously, it's an outstanding game. It still has that new game hype. Baldur's Gate 3 has been out since September. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2 just came out recently as well. Tears of the Kingdom has been out for a while. But even when you take a look at even a game like Starfield, it's been out for a bit also. Um, it's not a knock on Alan Wake. It's more just a question. Is, is Alan Wake 2 up here because of the hype? Because it's a recently released game and everyone's talking about it. Critics just got done reviewing it. They just got done writing their pieces about it. Yeah, they're blown away by it because it's a game they just got done playing, and it's an outstanding game. It's not a knock on the game. But does the fact that it came out three and a half weeks ago prior to these nominations coming in affect the games that came out earlier in the year that had more time to be played through, more time for that hype to die down over time throughout the year? I would say no. Um, mm. If I had to rate this list in order, I think Alan Wake 2 is the second best game on this list. Um, and again, 2023 has been a phenomenal year. I think Alan Wake 2, and I am not a horror game fan, but I've watched a lot of this gameplay. I just think the way that Remedy has done games the last couple of times, and keep in mind their last game won Game of the Year in 2019 with Control. Um, I just think their narrative is very well done. The way they can tell stories and the way they've done that with two characters in this one and found ways to intertwine them through kind of this mystery-based system without giving too much away, um, you're kind of hunting a killer, and you find that on very early on, but then there's also some other spiritual stuff going on with it as well. Uh, definitely some occult kind of stuff as well. Um, it's a very trippy game, but the way they've told it I think is phenomenal. So I think that one does deserve to be on here. Now, with that being said, uh, you do make a good point, John. Four of these games came out in the last two or three months. Um, some of these other ones, Resident Evil, I think, was March. Zelda was like April or May, if I remember correctly. Um, so we do have two spring games on here, but four very much in that October, September window. Um, and I think some other games may have not gotten a nod as a result of that, right? Like Diablo looked pretty good back in June. Uh, Star Wars was also in that like April range where maybe it didn't get quite the nod because of that. Um one thing that I think goes against that is the fact that Hi-Fi Rush came out in January and pulled in like six or seven nominations at the show. Uh, I think that's one thing that plays in favor of the Game Awards going away from recency or re, uh, re, I, recency, recency bias. Recency bias. Yeah. <laughs> my brain is going yeah. with my throat, guys. Um, but overall, I do think Baldur's Gate ends up winning this category all said and done. And I do think Alan Wake 2 deserves to be here. Yeah, no, this is more of a question because like, I, I feel like if you do buy into the recency biased argument, then what's preventing developers from just everyone delaying until October to release their games? And obviously that's just a nightmare in itself. Um, but, you know, again, it was just, just something that was brought up. So I'm just kind of just wanted to get a little food for thought. Well. Yeah. So uh, we're going Baldur's Gate. 
I think Baldur's Gate, unless you feel differently. No, I think Baldur's Gate takes it. Baldur's Gate will take the win here, guys. This has been a long show, uh, a little <laughs> over 90 minutes here to go through all these awards. Uh, we Just to recap, we hit the Golden Joystick Awards at the beginning and then walked our way through many of the categories for the Game Awards. Uh, John, we do have a co-stream coming up for the Game Awards probably here in early December. We'll get you guys details as that draws a little bit closer. Uh, for those that also want to vote on the Game Awards, you can do so at thegameawards.com. However, it might not save your votes, as I've had to redo mine three times, and who knows if it'll save the third time. They do say the third time is the charm, though. Uh, you can also go over to Jeff Keeley's The Game Awards Discord server, I believe, and I think he's doing voting over there as well. The show itself will be broadcast everywhere, Twitch, YouTube, all of that goodness, as well as in Fortnite by Epic Games, too. So... Lots of different areas to catch it, a lot of different stuff, and there should be some fun announcements. Uh, it seems like GTA 6 might be making its way there with a new trailer. It seems like Baldur's Gate may have some kind of Xbox trailer, maybe some DLC to show as well, uh, as well as some other surprises that should be in store from our friends over at Microsoft and PlayStation and Nintendo and other great developers too. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But as that being said, John, we have worked our way through the nominees and are now heading to the closing of the show. Uh, Joey, over under uh, 0.5 stage crashers. Oh, hopefully under. Hopefully <laughs> under. I wonder if Bill Clinton will be there for GTA 6 Nation. That is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. Listen to the show on our podcast feed. Please do leave us a review. The Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely, guys. Head over to Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it nowadays and Facebook and find us at OTN Media. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and threads at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, even one of those juicy Twitch Prime holiday subs over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show level up typically Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. However, guys, we are based in the U.S. and Thanksgiving is next week, so there will be no show next week. We'll catch it back up later in November. It's turkey time. Let's go. We are back November 30th for our next episode as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your week and enjoy your holiday if you celebrate Thanksgiving. And we will see you on the other side. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level up. up.